This is Mind Matters with Michael McEwen. Hello and welcome to episode one of Mind Matters. First of all, we're going to hear from Nick Zazaski. Nick is the communications manager of Me Scotland. But we're going to be speaking about what the charity is going to be doing in this difficult time with the coronavirus. And also, he tells us some of the work that they're doing. All right. Um, so, can you, can you tell me what CME Scotland has put in place to support people with men, mental health issues at this time? Yeah, we had to adapt quite um, quickly, really, because a lot of what we do, we don't give direct support to people or, or act as a mental health service in that way. Lots of We work with lots and lots of people who have experience sort of struggling with their mental health. And, but a lot of what they do in working with us and volunteering is actually being out there with their own projects, making a difference. They might be sharing their story in the media, they might be doing talks, um, they might be doing stuff in schools. Lots of our youth champions go out and do stuff in schools and through that process we support our volunteers as they're going through but what we had to do was then think of different ways that we could have that people could still do it they could still tackle stigma and discrimination also that we could bring people together as well so the first thing we did about a week or two into lockdown was we relaunched a campaign called pass the badge and the idea of that campaign is that um you Go on a, on the website on pastorbadge.co.uk, you upload a picture there that represents you, um, your mental health, how you're feeling, that means something to you. And then it will put a little digital badge on it. It's half a thought bubble and half a speech bubble that together make a little heart and it says start talking on it. So you post that and then you post it onto social media and you share your story and what you're going through and what you're feeling, experience and all that. So we made that more related to COVID and the lockdown. And the idea being, <clears throat> we realized initially, was that when everyone was being told to be socially distant, that was gonna be incredibly difficult for lots of people. And it was gonna have a massive impact on people's mental health, whether they'd already struggled or whether they hadn't struggled. So we wanted to have a little campaign that we'd put out there that would allow people a safe place to speak about their mental health, to connect and to see that they're not alone, as lots of other people are feeling the same way. We also wanted to have a real strong message that went with that campaign. But at the beginning when this all started, when lockdown started, all the talk um, and, and understand with rightly so was all around the around coronavirus, it was around physical health, it was around that sort of stuff. But mental health wasn't talked about as much at the beginning and we may have felt that a lot of people and from speaking to our volunteers it's similar that actually they feel like it's not the right time to speak about your mental health if you're struggling, if you already had a mental health condition that oh, there's loads of other stuff going on right now, it's not the time to talk about this. But we were really saying that actually no it is because your physical health and your mental health are really linked. If one struggles, the other's going to be impacted and that you really shouldn't that they shouldn't feel embarrassed or ashamed, like it's the wrong time to talk about mental health. So let's create an area where everyone could chat and support each other. And we've had um, hundreds of people join in that conversation and take part online. And that's been really great to see. So that was kind of the main the main thing that we did initially to change. 
Could you, um, when, when you put out um, information, Nick, is it kind of like accessible, kind of like easy read for people to kind of like understand? Because I know there's lots of words at the moment, like lockdown, isolation and stuff, and like people doesn't really know what that means. But do you really put in an easy content for, for people to understand? Yeah, yeah, with everything that we do to see me, all of our comms and everything that we put out um, in any kind of level of communication, we always want to make sure that it's the most accessible and easy to read, easy to understand format for as many people as possible and really trying to avoid any jargony type language, anything that's going to exclude people at all. Because we are here as a national program to try and help anyone who's experienced mental health stigma discrimination or who wants to help challenge mental health stigma discrimination. So if we use language or jargony language that people don't understand, then we're just excluding people that we're supposed to be there to make a difference for or to support or for them to join with us. And it might be that even if we put something out and say 20 people knew what we were talking about and one didn't, that one person might have been the person that really needed to know that message, that information. That. So we're always trying to make it as accessible as possible on our website as well. Um, we have a, a little accessibility widget which you can click on and it can make the text, it can change the size of it, it can change the, the font, the colour in the background, the colour in the foreground so it's easier to read. You can also, it can, the whole website can be read as well for you. Um, if you hover over it, it's got a little speaker for that. It's got, it can also be read in loads of different languages, translated to loads of different languages as well. Um, so tools to try and ensure that it, when people are accessing our information, they can access it well, basically, and, they can, and it's easy to understand. And that's really important because what we've done after past the badge and how we've developed as we've gone along with our messaging and with what we're doing around this situation is we're trying to give people not just messages but tools so a big one of our messages has continued to be that people might be worried about someone they care about right now but they might feel that it's a bit of a conversation to have or it's too difficult to do via telephone or zoom or whatsapp or whatever it might be and avoid it so we know that people avoiding having conversations is one thing that really leads to people then building up kind of feeling of um no one wanting to talk to them about how they're feeling about their mental health makes people feel worse about themselves and then they like they shouldn't talk about it because no one talks to them about it so with our messages we're giving out tools like we've got a uh, top tips for talking about mental health in our communities can pack which you can find on our website which is seeming there's also a conversation card for uh, which came as part of our time to talk day campaign in the year that's available on our website or if you're homeschooling or you've got young children at home and you think they might be struggling we've got our what's on your mind card as well and that's got sort of loads of words that can help young people and adults have a common language on mental health so young people can talk about it and they can see from an early age that this is a good thing to talk about it's okay to talk about not something they should ever be embarrassed about so i know that you were saying that you 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 kind of don't deal with kind of like individuals in a way, but have you heard how people with kind of mental health issues are kind of um, coping, and what are they, what what are the barriers that they face at, at the moment because like, they can't kind of like see any of the pals or the family or 
you know, what makes. A lot of the barriers that we've found from, we've spoken to a lot of our volunteers and we've asked them how their mental health can impact during this period, if they think their mental health has been taken seriously during this period, and also um, related to mental health awareness, we'll leave the theme for this year, which is kindness. I was just going to lift acts of kindness to really help with their mental health. And what we've heard is that people have struggled a lot initially when the services they had that were supporting them were taken away because they couldn't go to them physically and they couldn't be there physically. And there was, I think, a little, probably understandable because everything changed very quickly, but a bit of a gap between when people, their services were stopped and then when a kind of digital equivalent to that, whether it be a video call or a phone call or other processes were put in place, I think a lot of people struggled with the same level of support not being there that was there before and having someone there that they could talk to that was helping them through but then wasn't there and wasn't available seems to be a common thing that people were experiencing real struggles with. And I think that one of our other volunteers had said, there's been a lot of focus, there has been so much focus on, on physical health and mental well-being, but not where like mental well-being as far as keeping mentally well, but not so much on actually if you've got mental health problems. And that seems to be something as well that if people had pre-existing mental health conditions, um, whether at that point they were getting help and support them or not, or if they were in a decent place in recovery or whatever that may be, it seems to be that a lot of people who are already struggling are struggling a lot worse now. And that is partly because of the access to help and support um, wasn't there, but it's also a lot to do with, as you mentioned there, not being able to see friends, to see family, not being able to get outside as much, not having the, the sort of the routines. And if you're struggling with your mental health, if you've got a good routine that helps you and helps you in recovery, that's a huge thing. And if that's all taken away and changed, I think that's having a really big, detrimental impact on people and um, so what we're trying to do really is to speak to our volunteers to see how they are to give them some some support where we can to signpost them to other areas where that's going to give them more the better help and support they need but also to to promote and share those stories and make sure that that is something that people are aware of who are in a position to make decisions on how people can get the right help and support and and do you feel that I, I know that you mentioned kind of like IT a few minutes ago, and I, I know that um, obviously people's not seen their friends and families and stuff. But do you feel that people have to they adjust to maybe they get the comfort comfort zone in a way on and using like uh, programs like we are talking on now like Zoom or different uh, platforms to still communicate. I think that it's great that there are platforms like Zoom and there's FaceTime and there's Skype and things like that where you can physically see the people that you're talking to. So there, there is still a face there because I think that makes a huge difference that even if it's not directly in the same space, but I think that sort of one-on-one -on -one contact with a person is, makes a huge difference. And also there's lots of group activities that go on with people via Zoom and stuff like that as well, which I think are really good for keeping wider sort of networks connected. What is difficult and something that we're still really trying to get on top of the master, there's a lot of people out there who don't have access to digital, who it isn't kind of a case of working out 
how to use it. It's more a case that they don't have either the internet connection is really poor because of where they are in like isolated rural communities, or because they can't they can't afford internet connection, or they're homeless, or whatever it may be. And these types of the chats and the video tools that a lot of people are using are not accessible to them. So we've been increasing again the amount of physical newsletters, actual paper newsletters that we're sending out to people. As well as I know other places are introducing text service with updates and stuff like that as well. And it, that's the thing that we've struggled with and are trying to get on top of is really how to make sure that the people who don't have access to, to good IT, to good internet, to accessible devices are still being connected with and still having some information given to them and to know that they're not just because for those people this is going to be so much harder also as well i guess it'll, it'll be a big issue for perhaps older people as well who have not never communicated and don't really use the internet or can't afford to use it and then they're being told also because they're in a vulnerable age group that they've got to isolate for a certain amount of weeks and they can't go out and for for people in that situation the isolation is huge so it's really important that ourselves as an organization do better and lots others do as well and making sure those people are connected with it and aren't alone yeah um i may know what you're going to say here to, to my next question obviously yeah. it's a big issue because as a kind of disability campaign and a, a journalists i know some of the issues that i would like to see change uh, but from a mental health kind of perspective, Nick, um, what would you like to see um, when we come out of lockdown? What, what would you like to see better in, in life in, in terms of an organisation like See Me Scotland or just as people with kind of like men, men, um, mental health issues? So what, what would you like to see that's, that's not happened before now? I think that there's probably going to be, there. there is right now when we come out of this uh, in however sort of slower phase process that is, there's going to be a lot more people who are struggling with their mental health, whose mental health has been impacted. It's probably going to be a lot of people who are also out of work who are then struggling with their mental health because of that. And life's going to change dramatically and has changed dramatically for a lot of people. And what we would like to see with that is that everyone shows some there's been a lot of like kindness and caring and empathy throughout this period especially um like towards health workers which is a really good thing to the flaps for the nhs and carers every week that happen and i think what we'd like to see is some of that kindness and empathy towards people who've been working really hard for the country's health but then also maybe translated to same kindness and empathy for everyone in the country who's then struggling because of what they've been through and that if a lot more people are struggling with their mental health, that is something that we don't want. We don't want to see that at all. But if they are, we want to see perhaps a lot more people will then understand it. And if they can understand it, they will be more empathetic towards it. They will also stigmatise less. They will treat people unfairly less because they obviously will actually understand now how, how mental health can be massively affected because it's impacted on me through this. And just in general, I think that people are, are kinder, they're more accepting. Then there's also things like in workplaces. Um, we'd love to, see, we want to see a lot more workplaces being more accepting of mental health, particularly of reasonable adjustments. We've all been forced 
um, people who are working at the start of this, we've been forced to work in a completely different way, whether you're a key worker on the front line and you having to adapt to working within this period, or if you've been furloughed, or if you're working from home, everyone's worked in, in a really different way the last few months. And I'm hoping, and what we'd like to see is that employers really think about how that and how when everyone needs to adjust, there are ways that people can adjust, particularly with people who've been working from home and looking at that and considering then someone struggling with their mental health, that reasonable adjustments are made for them. Because that's one of the big things that people are treated differently or unfairly in the workplaces is that if they are struggling, reasonable adjustments aren't made and people or the culture won't be right so people won't want to speak out. Hopefully through this, we can see that actually reasonable adjustment can be made. There's a willingness to, and we'd like to see that willingness from workplaces. Um, also, support for young people. There's going to need to be a lot of support for young people. There's been a sort of hugely, hugely impact on them. Um, so ensuring that they know straight away, and from right now, really, that if they're struggling, it's okay to say that, that they shouldn't ever be dismissed or judged or told they're going through a phase if they're struggling because it's legitimate to struggle and if they're encouraged to talk about it to ask for help that it's there for them and then i guess within healthcare the healthcare staff support their mental health because they're going to have been through such a such a tough time and that they feel and lots of people working out yeah felt before like they can't speak about their own feelings their own health their own mental health so to see that they can speak about that, they're confident, they will be supported, and that people going in the services um, will be supported uh, and treated with kindness and compassion as well. Now, everybody knows us can ask uh, start in the mental health world. Like uh, one in four people has got a mental health issue, but uh, I've been thinking the last couple of weeks, and I'm sure that you you you've been giving it a lot of thought in your organisation, and you you can hint then your last answer that that uh, statistic may go up, um, and in terms of people with mental health issues not being seen any kind of like family or people that hasn't experienced mental health issues but been in the house for like six or seven weeks and not seeing anyone apart from uh, some day over Zoom or over a phone but um, would, 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 you, would you say that that number would rise for the next couple of weeks or a couple of months or to be completely honest, I think that that number was probably higher anyway. I know there's kind of the one in four was, was spoken about a lot and for a really long time. And there was even yeah, more, more people saying maybe it's one in three. And that's, I think the original, apart from that stat, which is said a lot, is was quite old when that was looked into. I think it's also, um, and it touches on definitely what you said, my opinion of, of the one in four stat and, and using that type of stat, um, which is still done, and I, and I totally understand it was done initially and it was put out there and for really good reasons to show that people struggling with mental health is really common. There's going to be someone that you know, one in four people will. I personally think that we've got to a stage now where looking at it in that sense, we should stop, and I think definitely after this period, we should stop looking at it in that sense that one in four people struggle because then it's kind of got to like, well, um, it's all right for me, I'm one of the three and four, or that one in four is different. Whereas actually what I think, and it's similar, we say that people should think about is more of that we all have mental health. 
answering the spiritual rule has been more aware that our mental health can be impacted and it can then that in the point of saying that we all have mental health is not to say that that's the same as having a mental health condition or if you're really struggling with mental health that is different but the point is that everybody has mental health and it can be impacted by a huge amount of things in your life and people go through periods where they really struggle they may then be persistent longer periods they may then need to um, see a health professional they may get diagnosed with a condition um, to help them and support them with recovery for various different reasons but I think that yeah what it's important to know is that then that that is a potential thing that, that anybody could experience that it's not a case that one in four people or one in three people whatever it may be will struggle will have a mental health problem we all have mental health any of us could struggle some struggles then may get to point where it becomes a diagnosed condition some may not but through this period lots lots more people will be struggling with their mental health and I don't know, we'd like everyone to recognize that yeah even if you're even if you're fine right now you're doing well and you cope with this quite well you still have mental health but you you're doing well with your mental health but lots of people who were doing well like you before won't now so it's really important not to treat them differently or unfairly that it that by by encouraging them to, to speak about how they're feeling to ask for help to get support to be for you to be to listen to show you care can help someone whose mental health is worse than it was get back to being good and maybe prevent people from then getting worse and worse by feeling that they can't ask for help that that they're too worried about what to say and it will then lead to something becoming much worse and obviously we know that men particularly are really bad for not wanting to speak about how they feel for not wanting to tell anyone for thinking that they shouldn't that they should man up or it's embarrassing to say and we also know that the suicide rate for men is consistently far higher than it is for women and like and men's just one example where you could you, encouraging them to talk more about how they're feeling is really important it was important before but with more people struggling now um with the impact of this and on work and losing family members and what people go to as well it's really important that everyone is encouraged to, to speak about how they're feeling okay that thanks for your time nick Okay, thank you to Nick there. Um, next up, we're going to hear from a mental health campaigner, and also he he set up his own um charity looking at mental health, and he gives he gives talks to breaking down the many barriers um into mental health. So we spoke to Michael Burn. Okay, so now we're joined by Michael Byrne. So, Michael, first off, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Um, and obviously, we'll come on to speak about your business in a wee minute, but just to tell the listeners a bit about yourself. Yeah. Sure. Uh, my name is Michael Byrne. I'm uh, 50 years old from Glasgow, and I have complex post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, now, that's a diagnosis that I got uh, in 2018 uh, as a result of having a mental health breakdown. And I had that breakdown, uh, sorry, that breakdown was really just a culmination of a lot of things that happened in my life. And um, a, a few of them I've touched on just now. So maybe a wee bit of trigger warning if, you're, if you are listening to this, that I'm probably going to rattle through some things that might be 
relevant to people who are watching or listening this and it may affect them adversely. So a wee bit of a trigger warning, but it's real life as well. So some some really highlights of the lowlights for me was just from a child just being verbally, physically and emotionally abused by both my parents. Um, then when I grew up in my 20s, my father was brutally murdered in his flat in the Gorbals. When I was in my 30s, uh, I lost um, twins due to miscarriage and ultimately led um, to a divorce. And then uh, in my 40s in 2013, probably what most people know me for who do know me, uh, I was standing in the Clutha Bar in 2013 when the helicopter um, landed on top of the Clutha Bar and, and killed 10 people uh, that evening. And that year after that was a really difficult year, but it was a difficult year for everyone who was in uh, the disaster. Um, during that year, uh, I became quite suicidal. I didn't really want to talk to anybody about what I'd been through and all of the other stuff that I'd been through. And uh, pretty much the anniversary uh, of the Clutha, I was diagnosed with a potentially cancerous tumour in my throat. I had to get emergency surgery to have that removed. And it just kind of snowballed from there. Um, one thing or another, I started encountering blackouts after work, coming home from work, blacking out. Um, not through alcohol or anything like that, just my body blacking out, closing down. Uh, and then in April 2017, just leading up to my, my mental health breakdown, I was involved in a car crash. And uh, four days later, I was hospitalised with a suspected stroke. And fundamentally what that did is that was really the start of uh, a 13-month journey through my mental health breakdown, um, culminating in, in May 2018 of that diagnosis. Uh, and... I can always say this, Michael, and for, for any listeners who may be concerned about mental health and the stigma and so on, whilst it's real, I was the happiest man alive to be diagnosed with a mental illness um, because for me it meant that I could take ownership, I could start to find out about why I had been me for 47 years and lived in this fear of judgment and, and so on. So, um, so yeah, that, that's, that's me and a potted version of it. All, some pretty heavy stuff there, but... Uh, it's real life events, you know. So, um, let, um, I mentioned about your business. So let let's speak about your uh, let's mental health. Met, um, well, you you could probably explain it better yeah. than than me. But, okay, well, but I mean, yeah, my my business is it's called uh, lived experience trauma support. Now it's a bit of a mouthful, but the acronym for that is let's. And the hashtag I always use is let's talk, let's do something. It's all about overcoming mental health. But the most important part of it is the bit that says lived experience. And what I did when I came out of my breakdown um, and overcame all of the fear of judgment and overcame no wanting to talk about all the things I've been through was that I actually realized that if I did speak about what I'd been through, it actually had a really positive effect on other people who maybe didn't want to speak about some of the things that they'd been through in the past and, and had found somebody that actually, this guy's up on stage talking about, you know, um, child abuse or trying to overcome a murder or all of these other things. And it really resonates with some people. So we uh, set a business up, as I said, coming out of my mental health uh, breakdown. And what we really do is work with a lot of big businesses to help change the culture of mental health within the workplace. And we do that through training courses and support and staff and the businesses through things like mental health awareness courses, mental health first aid, and a whole load of other things where we can carry out mental health policy audits. Um, but they're all taken from the, the perspective of both someone who's worked in a business world, as I did before my breakdown, 
but also from the perspective of someone who's really struggled with their mental health and trying to hold down a job, uh, you know, for 30 odd years at the same time. So, um, where can people get in touch with your, um, sorry, what's your website um, for your business? Yeah, the, the website is www.livedexperiencetraumasupport.com. Um, they can they can get on that. There's also Facebook pages, Twitter pages, the usual stuff for that. Or if anybody wants to engage with me directly, uh, if you look for Michael Byrne on Facebook, on LinkedIn, Twitter, whatever, uh, I'm there as well. So, um, but yeah, the website's www.livedexperiencedramasupport.com, and there's a whole lot of information about myself and a whole lot of free resources as well that can help people if they're struggling with their mental health. And obviously, um, we're going to come on to, to speak about lockdown, but just to speak about if you're doing any kind of webinars at the moment, Michael, if they want any kind of like one-to-one sessions like on Zoom or any other like chats if people's going through any kind of mental health issues at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're running two courses uh, next week specifically for Mental Health Awareness Week. Uh, and that may be passed by the time we do this. Um, but we offer uh, webinars on mental health awareness and mental health first aid. And we can uh, we organize that so that they can be for businesses and we can do it exclusively for them or for anyone who wants to join us. With regards to uh, anyone looking for one-to-one support, if they go onto their website and contact me through that, uh, I'm also offering um, some free sessions to anyone who may just need some support or may, may need anyone to, to talk to or, or, or a near to listen to. Um, and I'm more than happy to do that for anyone um, who wants to just have a wee chat. And you know, some of the things I've spoke about there briefly resonate with anyone and, and they want to have a wee chat just to see you know, uh, if there's anything I can do for them. Absolutely. Get, anyone can contact me uh, and we can have a wee blather. I'm happy to do that. Happy to help anyone, particularly during... Um, such a precarious time as we're in at this moment in time, you know. Uh, that's good, Michael. Um, so basically, um, as as I was talking about, um, the when a, a kind of pandemic crisis for what you will, but um, just tell us what issues like you're facing at the moment, Michael. Yeah, I mean, like like everyone else, I think that. You know, a lot of people find it difficult to adapt. We're now in week eight of lockdown. Um, what I have came across is, uh, is in the initial stages, in the early stages of lockdown, a lot of people I was in contact with, and certainly it helped me, was if they were beginning to struggle with their mental health and had a pre-existing mental illness from the past, perhaps, they already had existing coping mechanisms. So they were relying on them. And that may be certainly, for me, it's maybe listening to some music, um, having music on in the background and listening to lyrics and taking that focus away from the negative thoughts in your mind or trying to find some time to read a book. But for me, uh, what certainly worked for me and certainly one thing I advocate for people is to try and keep a structure within your day, whatever that structure may be. If it's if you've got a pre-existing structure before lockdown, is to try and keep it. Um, I still get up at you know seven in the morning. Get up, I get up out of my bed, make the bed go in the shower as if I'm still working. And I know what, I am still working technically, but within my household, I have a three-year-old and my wife is working from home as well. So things are different. But what I would also say is that it's okay to struggle at this time. What I tell people is that normal statistics show that one in four people struggle with their mental health at any given time. Now, that's, that's pre-lockdown, obviously. So that means if you took the population of the UK, that's 16, 15 to 16 million people right now 
are struggling with their mental health. So the last thing you are is alone at this moment in time. You're not the only person struggling with your mental health. But sometimes when you struggle with your mental health, the voices in your head tell you you are the only person. So one of the things I'm advocating, obviously, is to reach out to people. You know, people there are agencies and there's people like myself who are happy to have a chat and there's no cost associated. Uh, and it's just to reach out and talk. Sometimes it can be the person who's never experienced any mental illnesses in the past who now are most at danger because um, they now maybe begin to struggle with their mental health. But that's okay as well. It's okay to struggle with your mental health. And I think that one of the most positive things that will come from this, Michael, is that there, was, there should be an absolute reduction in the stigma around saying, I'm struggling with my mental health. And for me, I think that's a fantastic thing if, if we can all get to the point now where we're talking about how's your physical health and how's your mental health? Have, have you been okay? Is there anything I can do to help? And I, I really hope that that's one of the most positive outcomes out of all of this, you know? I've asked a lot of people this question, Michael, um, in, in the last couple of weeks, and I've asked you as well, as a kind of advocate for kind of mental health issues and uh, obviously your own business. What, so when we eventually come out of lockdown, what would you like to see change? I know that you touched upon that there, but just maybe they expand a wee bit more and they, what would you like to see that, uh, you know, people would take out away from, from this, sure. uh, uh, from a kind of mental health perspective? Yeah, I, I think, the, as I said, I think the reduction in stigma, but hopefully for me, an absolute increase in empathy towards society as a whole, um, because this is you know, one of the most unique times where we've all had to encounter the same thing at the same time. Mm. Um, so absolutely with the reduction in stigma, an increase in empathy to say, do you know what, and an awareness to say, yeah, I did struggle with my mental health, and it's not a bad thing. I'm not ashamed to admit it and be more open about it. And when those conversations are had in the workplace or, or whenever a normality, whatever it may be, returns, then there's absolutely help associated with that. And people can go to their employers or whatever it may be and say, you know, put their hand up and say, look, I'm struggling. And because what will need to happen is that as much as people have struggled to adapt to lockdown, what you're also then going to have to adapt to is a new way of working, whatever that may be in, in your workplace. Uh, with perhaps a pre-existing now mental illness that's happened as a result of lockdown. So there are plenty of changes afoot. But for me, as I said, the reduction of stigma would be number one, but an increase in empathy around actually it is okay to say I'm struggling. And if you ha if you know someone that's struggling, you're absolutely more empathetic towards that and wanting to help them rather than think the person is a risk to society. And, and I'm speaking as someone who has complex PTSD when... Whenever I tell anyone I've got a form of PTSD, I can almost see in them where they start to think you're a potential danger to them because that's what the television shows. You know, anybody who's got PTSD generally runs about blowing up buildings and all that stuff. When the reality is, is that they just look like me. We're just regular girls and boys. So, and I think that when the workplace resumed to whatever they may be, people are going to understand that. that Mental illness affects everyone. It's indiscriminate, you know, and it would be a positive thing to have those conversations. Uh, finally, Michael. Um, so, how have you adapted to the whole lockdown and and stuff? I th I think I've adapted well to it. Um, we kind of spoke prior, and and I think that because I uh, had a mental health breakdown, and I kind of describe it as almost like 
a lockdown inside your brain. You're completely controlled inside your head and you can't escape it. And what I think is that because I've encountered that mental lockdown, the physical lockdown was a, was a relatively easy transition to make. Um, but that's because I, I'd learned from the past and I had the coping mechanisms. Um, what you know, is really important is that if you don't have those kind of like almost like a recovery plan at hand is to actually figure out who can help me through this. Um, so I, I do a lot of work, a lot of podcasts and, and, and helping a lot of people. And for me, that's actually a pretty good thing. That, that That's cathartic for me and rewarding for me in terms of if I can share my experiences and it helps someone, then it helps them, but it also helps me as well. And I never lose sight of the fact that um, as much as I would never want all of those things that I've been through to happen to anyone else, what I try and use is, is my experiences to show other people that actually you can come through all of those things uh, and still be of a value and still be whatever it is you want to be in life. Okay, thanks, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Okay. okay, thanks for listening to the first episode of Mind Markets. We'll be back very soon with more uh, interviews.